Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just you forgot to enter. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good night. This is Connor Hallway of the Golden Hours Podcast, and hey, this is a GDP Minute. Real quick, I just had Andrea Kohana and TK Skandarian, accompanied by Daniel Sorrow and Joe LeClaire of Reebok and Conventures. Coming here to talk about the Reebok 10K women uh, race for women in Boston. It's a big road race that's been going on for like almost 40 years, 40 plus years. And so they talked about what the event is, how they've planned the event, kind of some of the chaos that goes into planning an event like this, and what the purpose for Reebok is throwing an event like this in terms of furthering their brand strategy. Andrea is a global marketing specialist for them. So she kind of discussed how she applies like the mission of Reebok and channels it through a third party event like this. And TK is on the event planning and marketing side. He's with Conventures, which is a third party. And he discussed what his job is, why, how he markets the event and kind of what the, like if this event could go the best way possible how they would deem it as successful a couple pieces of gdp value they discussed how to throw a successful event the two characteristics you need they said hey you gotta be adaptable you gotta be able to react fast and you gotta be able to things are going to come up you have to be able to deal with them they also discussed the importance of crazy, crazy transparent communication, especially on a citywide event like this. Like, There's no room to let anything slip through the cracks because it's a very detail-oriented process. They talked about how Reebok is positioning themselves in the Boston sneaker market, which is slammed up with like New Balance, Nike, uh, Saucony, Puma, York. My, shout out to my friends over at York. And uh, they also discussed if Boston artists could possibly ever get signed by Reebok, which I thought was pretty cool, too. So that is a GDP Minute. I hope you guys enjoy. Big business on the show. And uh, let us know what you think. Thank you so much. Hi, this is TK. And I'm Andrea. And we're with the Reebok Boston 10K for Women. And this is our golden hour. Oh, oh God, what's going on? Where am I going? Dad? Yes, my son. I am Deuce, the Deer God. I'm so confused. Who am I? Derek. Your true name is Dercules. Dercules. Wait, what? Yes. You are Dercules, the god of the forest. <laughs> Season 5. Hosted by your favorite podcast host, Big Bochi. You already know the deal, motherfucker. What's up? So just like that, the clap signifies the start of an episode. But before we begin, everybody calm down. (laughs) I'm Connor Hallway of the Golden Hours Podcast. And if by chance you're listening, one, I'm a really good guy. And I appreciate everyone that, that came here today. Two, if you get any sort of value... From this episode, whether you learn something, you're entertained, you think something's interesting, just share it with a friend. That's all we ask. And before I introduce our guests on the right, everyone introduce themselves. Yo, yo, Big Fresh checking in. 
Yes, sir. Joe LeClaire checking in. <laughs> My guy, Joe. Thanks for me. It is Dan Sorrow here. The two guys who made it happen. You took a risk on me. I won't let you down. I promise. And so, before I introduce you guys, I don't think... Is everyone aware of how this kind of went down? I was just like totally, totally on one of your coworkers behind for months. <laughs> I don't know how many emails. I, is, it, is it? Am I saying her? Is it Kristen or Kirsten? Kristen. Kristen. Kristen yeah. Dude, I must have sent her like 30 emails. <laughs> she was probably like, this kid is so annoying. <laughs> but... I think it transpired that you guys were like, well, you know what? Well, we have this big event coming up, so let's let's give it a try. Let's set it up. Let's do it. And you guys are you guys are in full marketing mode right now, right? Well, we're in, oh, yeah, yeah, full everything mode. Two weeks out or a week and a half. No, not enough days. Not enough. Not enough days. So on my right, on the camera's left, right? Is that how it works? <laughs> I have Andrea from Reebok and TK. Mm-hmm. from conventures mm-hmm. can you guys well one thanks for coming two can you give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do andrew you go sure. first um i work on the global event marketing team at reebok um so we our team really handles all of the different events that kind of come through the building um internal external facing events local community facing events um you name it we kind of get pulled in from all different departments at the company uh, to help planning logistics and marketing of, of the events for Reebok. That was wildly professional. We got, some, we got, we got some professionals on the show today. <laughs> and uh, I work, my, my name's TK. I work for a company called Conventures, and we do special events and some marketing and you know digital media and communications campaigns around town, but mostly events so whether it's an indoor fundraising dinner for like hundreds of people or an outdoor festival or road race or um some sort of a some sort of a party or a uh, a series of events sometimes um we help out with that and then in often cases you know every event needs a marketing and communications campaign to support it so we're often doing a lot of that work so and then in some cases, we get picked up just to do marketing and communication support for certain people. So are you traditionally on the marketing side or the planning side of the event? It's mostly, I'm mostly on the marketing side of it, but there are, uh, there's, we have a whole team of people who are good planners, a good task doers. Force. Yeah, and so I think that we all mold into different we all mold into event producers at a certain point i think that's kind of what makes our group special is that um we got a couple special we have a couple specialists but everyone on the team plays a certain role uh and can can play multiple positions as an event comes down and and gets in that's what dan what you were saying beforehand like you guys what's interesting to me is like being in a a more corporate structure that you still you guys still wear a ton of different hats when it comes Mm -hmm. to events i feel like most people would think that like oh you're like the global specialist so you're dealing with brand strategy on a global level but reebok said to you like hey i want you to come plan this thing yeah so can you just grab that and bring it a little closer to you yeah for sure is that better yeah it's great um yeah so we we obviously handle all of the larger like more globally focused events and some of the larger consumer facing events that we do um 
But when it comes down to events internally and then events community-based, we are, you know, the experts in the building when it comes to the logistical execution of events. So um, when we have the ability to do other things in addition to the larger scale stuff, we definitely like offer, you know, our support to other departments within the company. So, you know, I work closely with our corporate communications team to do all of the kind of local calendar of events and help um, figure out how we're going to pull those off. What is Reebok's biggest global event? Because how big is this event going to be, the 10K, like people-wise? We'll have like, you know, between three and 4,000 women and running yeah and then thousands others of fans and followers and supporters and just people walking by who want to scope it out so dude are you just exhausted no (laughs) i sound it no well i mean you guys are like uh, this is what we were talking about to mind you i've thrown successful events i've also thrown terrible events i threw an awful launch party once (laughs) do you guys know town on boylston street yeah. yeah, dude, I threw one of the worst parties of all time there because I was like, you know, it's a good pitch. It's a bunch of college kids are going to want to get drunk. It's like the middle of summer. It's a great spot. I didn't even mark it. I thought it was going to be a bucket. Terrible. Yeah. But one thing that all event planners and people in events have in common is they love feeding off the chaos. Oh, yeah. Love the chaos. Yeah, and you, and you react. Like our president says that event production is 50% planning, 50% reaction. So like things are going to come up, things are going to change. You've got to, you've got to move on the fly sometimes, but I mean, it sounds like a lot, thousands of women and thousands more coming in to watch it and cheer and, and all that stuff. But we're both backed by really good teams. I think the Reebok team, it Reebok's got a, a big team committed to supporting this event. Uh, Conventures has its entire staff that will in one way, shape or form uh, help produce the event that the company's been producing for many years now um but there's there's a it would be overwhelming if it was just a couple people putting it together i mean people can there are very talented people who are who can pull off big complex events by themselves or with a few folks um but when you're dealing with multiple municipalities and the closing of public streets and uh the fulfillment of a myriad of sponsor uh, deliverables. You've got helicopters in the sky going live on the news. Like you need a good team for something that size. And we've got that. And I think yeah. we, we also have great support from Reebok. I mean, they, they help make it all, make it all happen. Yeah. So for reference, before we move on, Conventures is a, you guys were hired as like a third party planning company for the 10 K. Uh, that's how it works for a lot of our events. But, but I'm just trying to simplify it for yeah, the yeah, audience. Yeah, yeah. So, as an event planning agency, like yeah, Reebok could hire us to help them plan a launch party or a year-long campaign or whatever. But in this case, Conventures actually invented and started this all women's 10K in 1977. It was the second. It's the second longest-running all women's sporting event in the United States. Tufts used to own it. Uh, it's always been owned by Conventures. So Conventures started it, owns it, operates it. And then the T- Tufts Health Plan sponsored it in a title sponsor capacity for 33 years, which is like awesome. And before that, it was Bonnie Bell, which is a 
make like a makeup company or something like that. I don't know. They did they did a lot of lip smacker. I don't know. Before my time, I'm not into lip smacker these too, days. <laughs> before my so so anyway. So and then Reebok jumps on last year, which is great because Reebok's got such an endemic. It's just such a good fit because there's Reebok has such a commitment to Boston and to women and to running and like and it's Reebok, man. Totally, it's like the totally. And there are the neighbor, home run brand, baby. There are, there are neighbor in the seaport. But like it makes it just makes sense. I mean, oh, the offices are right next to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, we would love to team up with like a Liberty Mutual or a or a global finance company too. Like that would be great. But there's less of a endemic. Sounds boring. It it well. Like if Fidelity sponsored hey, the race, but if they cut in the check, <laughs> yo, they cut in the check. Yeah, listen, they, their value can come in different ways. Exactly. But if there's um. Uh, but yes, for some of those companies, it does make sense. Um, but for Reebok, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it it definitely, what TK said is exactly the reason why our team got involved was it hits a lot of boxes for us. So like, you know, we've always been a brand that's been focused on women. It's a women's 10K. You know, we're a fitness brand um, and we're in the running space. It's a race. It's a you know, run. It's in our co- local community um, and we are constantly trying to do events that, you know, make sense from our brand standpoint, but also support the local community in Boston because that's where our office is, it's our home, it's where all of our, you know, employees work and live. So it just made so much sense for us to get involved and um, it, you know, went off really well last year and we're really looking forward to this year. It's going to be, I think it's going to be awesome. So for you as a, am I saying the title right, global strategist? Global event marketing manager. Boss, marketing guru. <laughs> um, so how does your strategy change when you're marketing something on a local level as opposed to the global level? Because I'm sure the promotional strategy is much different when you're trying to connect with people in Boston as opposed to people in Europe. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, in the case of the 10K, a lot of the marketing is the actual marketing is done by conventures um, because you know we're the we're the sponsor, but obviously we have our own strategy of how we want to show up on on race day and you know our physical presence for um, the runners when they're picking up their bibs, how we're showing up in our store um, locally. I think the difference between a global strategy, marketing strategy, and our local strategy is you know when we're talking about marketing our products and our brand globally. It really is across all forms of media, right? So like, you know, we're doing ad campaigns, we're doing, we have our social media handle, we, um, you know, are working with different media agencies to do, you know, write articles and cover events that we're doing. In-person events are also, you know, a big thing for our global strategy. But for our local strategy, I feel like it's really primarily focused on live in-person events. You know, because we want to engage the community. It's more of that like experiential, interactive marketing strategy um, when we're doing things locally in Boston because we're here. We're physically here. We can actually pull off kind of those types of things here. Whereas it's hard to create like, you know, a year long campaign where you're popping up in all different cities and stuff like that. So we pick and choose like larger consumer facing events that would, you know, show like a bigger mass right for our global like when we're talking globally but for boston it's it's an easy thing for us to get involved in things like the 10k yeah for sure for sure yeah and so do you 
outside of the 10k what other events have you guys done in boston as of recent um so we're involved in the harpoon five miler um we're the title sponsor for that race and they're right in the seaport they're too, our right? neighbor as well <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's again smart man a no-brainer. Makes business easy right yeah we walk over to harpoon for our meetings does harpoon sponsor the women's 10k too no, they're not, not yet. involved Make the call, TK. Come on, man. Hey, we got the hookup, so... No, actually, we've we've talked to him. Um, and hopefully, we can make something happen in 2020. We, you know, when you deal with a big public space like the, the Boston Common, you, there's... A, oh, booze a, and liquor licenses. Well, you just got to really like do it the right way and, and be careful with it. And if you're going to do it, do it the right way. But for a long time... Um, Beer and road racing didn't really coexist, but what we've seen in the last four or five years is there's more of an overlap. Um, it's it's people want to drink after the after the race, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's the reward. Yeah. So there there we think there is space for it, and I think it's something we're, we're we've already started talking about for 2020. Yeah. Okay. So outside the 5K. Um. So, so there's also another worse. there's also another event that's kind of in our neck of the woods. Um. It's the Waterfront Fit Fest. It's put on the, by the McCourt Foundation. Um. We've been involved in that for the past few years, and that's again like a it's a, I think it's a 5K race and a little bit of a festival. It takes place usually on Father's Day weekend, so it's a big family event. Um. And that's right, literally in our backyard, like behind our building. It takes place at Black Falcon Cruise Terminal. Um. We're in, we're, you know, have a presence at the mass conference for women. So again, that women's tie in is important to us. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting the rest of the ones that we've worked on the, uh, we've worked with our neighbors, the IDB on some of their events, their hundredth anniversary we were involved in ad club. It's, it was a conference, uh, at the convention center. So like all things, a lot of things in the seaport, um, kind of in our neck of the woods, so that we can tie it back to our eight global HQ and our store. Um, that usually makes sense. Sometimes we bring people over to our gym and have that have a, them do like a fitness experience with us. We deck them out in product. Um, yeah, so you guys didn't come through with gifts. What's your deal, man? You I know you guys. You got warehouse of stuff. I came through repping my gang That's today, true. man. Hey, don't speak That's too true. soon, Connor. Uh, a business card, thanks. No, Joe. a gift card. Oh, gift card. My guy, my guy. Thank you. <laughs> Well, we got to get Big worry. Big Fresh. What did you wear today? Adidas. Yeah, so I didn't know Adidas owns Reebok. They do, yeah. So you guys are cool with Adidas. Yeah, we're cool. They're so, our, like, brother brand. Have they always um, owned, or, like, did you guys get acquired at some point? Yeah, we got acquired... 2005. 2005. Why don't people know that? I feel like everyone, or maybe people do. Well, I would say I get, like, a... a large majority of people who know and then the small quantity of people who who weren't completely unaware so you're calling me stupid mm, yeah. not necessarily <laughs> no I, I think from an outsider perspective i think they it was probably very clear from the point of the acquisition that the brands were going to continue to exist uh independently reebok had created its own DNA and evolved it i think into this crossfit space and will uh, UFC and yeah, fighting. Yeah, it sort of evolved in this different thing. And I think that that's one of the things that Adidas really valued was like, actually, no, you, I don't know. I'm yeah. speaking no, for people. That's, uh, yeah, like totally, it's, it's totally, totally accurate. Kind of, kind of like, I'm assuming kind of like Audi and Volkswagen. It's like, yeah. dude, dude, we're going to own you, but your brand is, you have such a distinct brand identity right. that keeps yeah, it yeah, Right. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. we operate as, as two individual brands. Um, and we, you know, we all ladder up to the same kind of 
overall core values and mission, but we individually have, you know, we focus on fitness, they focus on sport, um, and there are different kind of goals for each individual brand. So it's a, it's an interesting relationship too, and I think there are ways that um, that we're starting to collaborate with them. Like we're dropping a um, a shoe, a sneaker. Yeah, that's a collaboration between Fresh. it's sick Reebok and Adidas, and I think that's the first time first that time. we've done that. So um, that's you know a new thing that we're starting to do because why not? Why would we not collaborate with the brand that you know is our parent company? So. It's the it's sneaker cool. is awesome. Yeah, it's a cool sneaker. Do you guys get like early like product releases? Are you guys able to actually no? I mean, I think from an events perspective, like we're we're not super close to product. The teams that work on product usually um, are the ones who end up with. But the, they want to make sure you're swagged up, right? I'm sure you guys get like bags of stuff every month or do you guys get an employee discount? No, well, we get an employee discount for sure. We get 50% off, but um, we have like sample sales every every six months where like all the samples that from the last season are no longer needed. And so we can like purchase them for like a discount. Um, so that's a good way to stock up on product, but we don't necessarily get like free stuff someone hit the ceo that's bs man (laughs) what's his name matthew o'toole (laughs) wait so so it's new employees get uh, yeah they give them you know they 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 get make sure that they have enough product to start their kind of career with us but we along the way if you've been there long enough you you know you acquire a lot of product i have a lot of reebok yeah Yeah. i'm I'm sure your closet's all reebok oh yeah for sure and so what was funny before we had got on air is you guys said it's totally frowned upon if you walk into the office and you don't have Reeboks on. Definitely I'm, frowned upon. I would, I would guess. Yeah. As, I mean. It's brand loyalty. I try to have, every time I come visit you guys, I try to. Um, we got them on right now. Yeah. Right? yeah. We, we are all decked yeah. out. Let's, um, let's go. Do you know the name of those models? I don't know the name of this model. You know, this Reeboks, they have, um, they churn out a great new stuff every uh it's because they're cutting the check, TK. Yeah. Come on, man. No, uh, that's true. But that, <laughs> that's, that's really, to be fair, I, I actually think I, I've start, I have been, I sort of became a runner seven or eight years ago. And I um, was always running in uh, Adidas shoes, actually. And I, the more I got into it and was looking at different shoes, the more I started to understand the differences and the nuances that go into each. And I look at, when I walk into the Reebok store now, they've got the full roster of footwear that you need. They've got like super lightweight things for people who are looking to do like speed work, all the and all these different builds and models for different types of like um, foot impact, like how your foot hits the ground, what type of runner you are. They've got a full portfolio. I think the I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I feel like the Reebok running portfolio has real in the last five ten years is like really. Yeah. Expand it. Yeah, it looks. Sure. I mean, you guys have you won Runners World like best gear, best shoe of the year. Mm-hmm. I think last year. Mm-hmm. Um, here's, the cor- like, here's the corporate communications. Yeah. Listen to the plug here. Here we go. I, no, but I feel like the run objectively as objectively as I can be. I do feel, and I tell people this all the time, that the Reebok footwear in running has like really stepped up in the last ten years. Well, nothing is touching the Reebok Classics for me. Like I love the Classics. I love the gum bottoms. I think they're great. Yep. And they're not expensive. Like like 80 bucks. Yeah. And if you go to the Assembly Row location, I don't know if you guys have been there recently. Mm-hmm. They're running like crazy sales over there. 
Yeah. No, our, our like classic shoes are, you know, they've been iconic to the brand since the very beginning and they're definitely still considered iconic and they're still definitely something that is a huge focus for our brand. Like I'm wearing club C's today. These are definitely an iconic style and I wear them pretty much like every day because they're just easy, like Mm. classic leather, white classic leather with a gum bottom. Like you can put it with anything. Fresh. You could wear it to dinner. Like you could well, dress depends it where up. You're going, you could Andrea. dress it down. I feel like I, feel feel like I roll in with sneakers like anywhere. Yeah, I feel like Andre can pull it off. That's if you're going to the barking crab or the shaking crab. No, I'm telling you, you can dress <laughs> is that, up. A is pair that what it's called? Barking seat. crab? Barking crab. You like it over there, DK? <laughs> it's DK's spot. I mean, I've been there a couple of times. It's an icon, that place. Yeah, it is it's, an icon. It's awesome. That place was Seaport before there was Seaport. That's, That's when Seaport true. was just a parking lot. That's correct. That is true. How yeah. crazy is how much Seaport's turned out? Hey, man, but there's still the parking crowd. Andre, yeah. how old are you? 29. Okay, word. So you, I'm 23, but we were like, Seaport in the past even two years has turned into this megaplex, and it's only getting crazier. Yeah, it's unreal. I mean, when I was, when I was in college, I went to Northeastern. Seaport was a parking lot and it had Atlantic Beer Garden and Whiskey Priest, RIP, because those that are was gone the spot. Now. The, that was the spot, but that was like the only spot in addition to Barking Crab. And now it's like those places are gone. High rises are up. It's a whole. It's all blue glass. Yeah. Corporate, PWC, PTC. Very corporate. Do you guys like working in the Seaport? I Does do. it feel busy yeah. to you? Yes. Well, we're all the way down, like no, we're sort in of our the, own the dry little dock, world. Right? Yeah, dry dock, which is it's a cool area, um, and we have like our own little like world there. We have like all our food vendors and stuff because it's kind of far, like from everything else. Like it you is. can't really like you have twenty minutes to grab lunch. Like by the time you walk down, you to can't see, go to that Chipotle. No, and no, come back, no. That would probably take like forty five minutes. So we have like our own little world down at dry dock, which is nice. And there's like so much going on down there because there's so many companies in that one building and then conventures is in like down slightly further from the idb yeah we're just like a little closer to europe so it's like the next stop <laughs> we're like really at the end of the pier but it is it's for us to get to like where the courthouse is and that part of the seaport like where that shake shack is and all that that's a mile away so yeah. that's so you guys are tucked out of the the real we're kind of tucked into yeah our own little nook of the seaport which little is world yeah. which actually is awesome it's where all these big nice. business deals are going on yeah down by the dry exactly. dock. <laughs> sounds like a mob story where they film the movies yeah. man no <laughs> but it is nice because actually i feel like it's a little less traffic it at is. our end if you unless there's a cruise in town because then oh yeah then oh, it's yeah. bananas we have uh, the cruises three cruise we have three cruise ships a day man i don't I think it, I guess it's cheaper. Why would you want to cruise to Boston? Well, no, they're cruising. I mean, they're dude. leaving from Boston. They're cruising to like Bermuda. Still, just yeah. like if you want to cruise, go to Miami. No, like, I know. The Caribbean. But, but these people want you know everyone wants to see the foliage, which is starting to kick in, and it's like why? You know. I mean, maybe because we grew up here, but it's like it's just the trees, man. True. No, it's it's because you grew up here. People go mental for the for this. They love foliage, man. I'm, I, don't I don't get it. Boston is a tourist destination. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, in the event space, we you work that. with the hospitality industry all the time. And yeah. they, um, I was sitting next to a woman this morning who was, I asked her, why do the cruise ships not come in July and August, but September and October? And she's like, well, it's a little bit more, Boston's a little bit more affordable, I guess, at that time. Yeah, Whatever. I guess it's a little more scenic, but yeah. dude. 
uh, like people are really heavy on Boston tourism and like the Revolutionary Trail and all this stuff. How many facts could you really name about the Revolutionary War right now? More than I minimal. Probably, I could probably do a couple. <laughs> like actually, actually not. I'm not. Gonna do you know lie. what Paul Revere's job was? Silversmith. He yeah. He was a bum. I don't know. Like he was literally <laughs> a bum, and they get, and he somehow was gifted like the info that the British were coming. And now he's a legend. He didn't even fight in the war. I mean, this might be a d- different episode sometime, but I thought I think he was pretty heroic. I don't know. Yeah. TK, I could literally tell you. I could literally <laughs> let's say that like there was someone yeah. intruding on us. I could be like, "Yo, TK, dude, don't tell anyone." But like, "Yo, the British are coming," and you could literally just go, "Yo, the British are coming, man." Uh huh. And then you'd be a, a war be a legend. Statue. It's fine. TK flexing yeah. Boston Common. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, right time, right place. I don't know. Maybe after this race, you'll get a statue. I don't know about that. I think we're, I think we're a few years away from a statue. Let's get through our 50th road race. Y- and yeah, let's, let's get through our 100th road race, and then maybe we can talk about statues. Hey, okay, yeah, I want a quick segue here. So why is the race exclusively for uh, women? Like, what is – is it just, like, celebrating women, or is it women with certain conditions? And can you give a quick synopsis of what the race is so I mean, you guys can get your plug Yeah, up? so it's a 10K road race. It starts and finishes at Boston Common, and it has um, pretty much since 1977 when the race first started. So there was not – I mean, there, there's a longer history here about running and distance running in particular being a men's only thing. Like you go back to the 1908, 1912 Olympics, like these reports of women not being able to run the 200 meters and falsified reports in some cases that like they were exhausted and women shouldn't be doing this type of physical activity. And then you fast forward it to the 1960s where women started to break into the the marathon. Okay, fine, but they're still in a men's thing. Like in many cases, women weren't allowed to participate in all men's distance event not only it wasn't just like it was frowned upon it was like it was common knowledge at the time like oh well women can't run distances and women were like actually we can't we can and it's totally safe and we should women are like dude let's race and in the 1970s it really became more common to see women in races all the time but then in the late 70s there was going to be a series of races just for women and boston became one of those locations there was one in new york and the next one was in boston and it was a series at the time but i think new york and boston are the only two that have been annually running every year as an all women's race now it's not exclusively women it's not like we can ban men from the from the race but you guys aren't marketing this to men right no 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 no. i mean definitely they're from a reebok perspective like our CEO encourages men to like run the race in support of, you know, their female counterparts. Um, and so we definitely get like Reebok men signing up for the race and like employees, employees. Yeah. So we have, I think like 150 ish employees running and a, you know, a chunk of those are, are men. Um, and it's definitely something that comes from, Matt, our CEO. Yeah, you guys aren't trying to exclude dudes. Right, but exactly. It's, but honestly, it's the 10K for women. The race is for women. Right. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Right. Like like just like, like if we ran like a podcast race, the race is just for podcast hosts, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I don't think, like, if you are if you finish as the first man and you're, like, maybe 200th overall, it's not like you're going to get, like, 
an award or something. Right. And maybe this is I, maybe this is discriminatory. I don't know, but like we don't do anything for the men who run the race. They get a shirt. They get the you know they get a participatory experience, a medal, just like everybody else. What if a man shows up and like goes way too hard and, and like beats all the women? Um, like, what would the procedure be? Well, uh, first of all, he wouldn't beat the women that we have because we've got world class women coming in from all around the world who are. So good. I mean, we're, we're talking Olympic, world championships level. Um, so if you had an Olympi- Olympian world championships level man come into the race. Yeah, like a Boston Marathon winner type. Uh, I, you know. Let's hope that all, doesn't happen, right? Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it, it would. Um, but uh, it, I don't think it would. But it, it would... Uh, it would, he would be like, why? Like, why would? Why <laughs> yeah, would, why he do would that? you? <laughs> like all of oh, this, this is just a hypothetical. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Don't worry. I don't think it's gonna happen. No, <laughs> I could see myself tackling some guy with like one block. To they, they should close line him. It's just not happening. Yeah. <laughs> but like our presence on site on race day, so like we have a forty by forty tent for for that's like a Reebok tent. And when we think about like what that presence is gonna look like, we definitely think it from like you know, a female perspective, like what are the women that are running the race going to be wanting or wanting to see or what what's going to resonate with them? And that's kind of what guided how we craft, like what that physical presence will look like. Are we not selling any men? Like we have a retail presence, a small retail presence. The majority of the product is women's product, but are we not bringing, you know, a sweatshirt and a pair of track pants to sell to the men who might be coming to either run or support you know the people that they have running the race there's definitely a lot of like friends and family and people who are just there to support and so we're not you know even though our presence is not is focused around women it's not you know excluding yeah. the the male consumer yeah yeah absolutely i mean there's not i don't think you have to be defensive about it it's like the 10k for women it makes yeah. total sense yeah we're in a position now too where we're on our 43rd year. So now like not only do we have mothers who run with their daughters, we've had that for many years, which is great, but we've got a few grandmothers who run with like their granddaughters and their, and their mothers as well. It's, so you've got, we're spanning like three generations now of um, women who started to run this race in the seventies and eighties and their daughters who ran it in the nineties and at the turn of the century. And now like, so their young daughters it, are joining them as well. Is the race more celebratory now, or is there still a competitive aspect to it, similar to the Boston Marathon? And you did some work for the Boston Marathon, or yeah, yeah. So I, I told was, you I was LinkedIn stalking. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I was uh, at the Boston Marathon for nine years, but this event has both of a competitive element and a celebratory element. Oftentimes, it's this race is selected as the 10K National Championship for women. Um, this year it's not, but often years uh, it is. And even in the years when it's not the national championship, like, yeah, we've got world-class women coming in to uh, participate. Our prize money is very good. Um, and we we have uh, some of the top. How much is the winner make? 9000 Is And is that, like, good for a 10K race? Yes. Because I ran the, the Chillmark Road Race. Uh-huh. And I uh, I placed, like, 2000th, so I didn't catch any money, but... <laughs> I don't know how much they make. Yeah. Are you running it? I, I'm not running. TK, no. come no, on, man. man no. I, Andrea, are you? I'm not. What? I, I, we have a whole uh, got, slew got, of things yeah. that we're going to need to be it. managing. Yeah. yeah. I'll be running in a different way. That's right. Your, your mind will be running. Yeah, exactly. That's right. 
Um, Big Fresh, any questions, bro? Uh, Actually, yeah. So um, say I'm like an intern at either Reebok or Conventure and, you know, I have this or I think I have this great idea for a new event. Um, What things are you looking for in terms of um, the value that that event brings to potentially make a decision on whether to approve or like turn down that idea? Big Fresh has been killing the questions <laughs> recently. Question. Dude, it's I a fucking good question. love you, man. It's a good question. I mean, from the Reebok side, our our events definitely come from, like, every department is trying to accomplish different stuff. So, um, like, it might be product-driven or it might be just about brand awareness or, you know, Joe and I are always, when we're working together on events for the Boston community, the first thing that we talk about is, like, what is – what are we trying to accomplish here? Like, what's the main goal? Like, you know, is it about community engagement? Is it about getting the word out about Reebok? Is it about retail? Is it about sales? So I feel like that's like the main thing that we would need to like determine in order to figure out if an event makes sense for something. Like, does it line up and does it ladder up to like the larger mission? Yeah. You know, so like... If we were trying to push, like, let's just say, like, a specific product, like, Aztec, like, that, and the event had something to do with Aztec, then, like, no-brainer, you know? But if we're, if the goal is to push Aztec and the event is, you know, something completely unrelated, then, like, maybe it wouldn't be the right fit for that point in time. What, what would be, like, let's say this event's over for you guys on the management side, operation side, marketing side, what would you deem as a success? Like, what do you want to get out of the event? For the 10K? Yeah. Well, um, we want w- the women who come to have the best possible road race experience that they can have. So we introduced a new finisher medal this year. Um, we've got a scenic, flat, fast course we've got programming through the day in terms of like free classes we've got an awesome swag bag of like stuff to get after the race in terms of like snacks and beverages um where we've taken big steps in being a more sustainable race which we know is important to our participants so like elaborate we're just just reducing plastic waste so like oh oh economically sustainable. yeah like no ecologically sustainable environmentally that's correct yeah Yeah, so like (laughs) road races in nature are waste generating events like people fly there people drive there people have to park people show i mean running is a is a very healthy activity and um the sport itself is 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 ecologically all good but in some case you know when you bring everyone together there's a bunch of trash and stuff Yeah, yeah so we're just looking to reduce the waste and have um, more things just be recycled and reused. So that's a, that's a big step. And I think that's to have that take steps in that direction is important for us. It's important for our participants. And at the end of the day, if all the women who come to the race leave with like, wow, that was so friggin' awesome and uplifting and inspiring and a great day. And I'm coming back to do it next year. Like that's, that's success. How do you quantify that though? Like, how do you say, okay, like you guys all have these goals on like, okay, this is the race. This is what we want to get done this year. Like for you, would it be like, Hey, we want the race to make more money this year. Hey, we want to have more participants this year. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, for Reebok, since we're, since we're the sponsor, you know, we're, 
just want we're, we obviously want like the overall race everything that tk said is obviously like we're aligned with those goals as well um specifically for reebok like we're just the sponsorship is about brand awareness and community engagement for us and and you know the focus on women so and running so like in congruence with the brand right like making sure that this race is totally reflective of what you're trying to get done at Reebok. Right. And, you know, there's so many dif- different ways to approach, like, how, you know, what we're pushing when we do these types of things. Like, we could make it 100% about retail, and we could just set up a 40 by 40 retail pop-up shop. But does that really align with, like, what we're trying to do? Like, this is not just about us making sales. Will we have, like, a small re- retail presence? Yes. Um, because pe- we obviously it all goes back to the product and like, we want people to be able to like touch and feel our, our, our stuff, not just see like our logo and you know, our presence everywhere, but then come into our tent and be able to experience, pick up yeah. a pair of our, our float ride running shoes and, and see it and feel it and maybe go and buy a pair when they go home. Um, but it's more about like the the interactive experience with the brand that they have like throughout the course of the race and pre-race. So like bib pickup, they're coming to our store. Like we're giving them a discount coupon. Like there's going to be inspirational quotes leading them down from runners. So like, it's all about like this, these different touch points throughout the course of the experience. It's an an experiential marketing. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Totally. I mean, you don't want to walk into their 40 by 40 tent and feel like you're in a, in a Marshalls, like, and it's just yeah. racks of clothing. There's nothing wrong with Marshalls, TK. <laughs> there isn't. But when you come to an event like this, like, they're giving away free smoothies in their spot, and they've got, like, really nicely built out things that are, and places to sit. And, yeah, learn about the product. But learn about the brand. Learn about its mission. And then, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe, maybe buy a sweatshirt. But maybe, maybe... Maybe snag some shoes. Maybe snag some shoes. But, like, maybe snag some shoes in two weeks, because Reebok really made you feel good at that race. Right. And... Maybe become a fan for life because you had you had such a good conversation with someone that day in the Reebok tent. Like, that's power, and that's where like Marshalls can't do that because Marshalls <laughs> doesn't sponsor. Marshalls doesn't create experiences. Dude, what's your problem, with Marshalls? Like I don't man. Know, I just because they're straight up retail. <laughs> and after you get those shoes, man, leave Conventures a good Yelp review, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. Leave us on Yelp. No, but the um. That's it. And I think Reebok really sees that too. Like they want to help us create a cool experience because experience is marketing and eventually translates to sales. And Reebok Reebok sees that. Quick segue to you as a Reebok employee. Um, How do you, how is like the brand goal passed down? Like how do you know where Reebok wants to take the brand and how do you map your actions towards that? Does that make sense? Because yeah, it's such a, a big company. Yeah, for sure. Like for for instance, Golden Deer Productions right now is probably an eight person company. So it's very easy for me to say, hey, Abu, listen, this is what we got to do to make this the biggest podcast in Boston. How do you position yourself? Like, And how do people say, hey, listen, yeah. this is where we're going with this thing? Yeah, so I feel like it kind of, um, there's a bunch of different ways and it kind of goes from, you know, larger meetings of the entire company so that's kind of like the top level so we have you know every maybe quarter i think we have like town hall meetings where you know the ceo or any of the members of the senior leadership team get up and they talk about you know 
important priorities for the brand or where we, where we stand with certain things. Which is what right now? Like I mean, what does Reebok want to do with the brand right now? Well, I, I mean, that's kind of a tough question because it, it's kind of divides. We have performance, we have classics, but we're trying to be, you know, like the best fitness brand. Um, but we obviously have like divisions of that. We have the classics business, which focuses on fashion. We're doing a lot more um, like exclusive collaborations with like Victoria Beckham and Pierre Moss and these more like upscale kind of top tier designers. And that's kind of the focus of, of that area. And then on the performance side, it's about like fitness, but also making sure that like we're, you know, everyone doesn't just want clothes for fitness nowadays. Like they want clothes the that are, that are, that they work for the gym, but they can also wear to the grocery store and they can also wear, like if they want to go grab dinner with their friends afterwards. So I feel like just in general, like it's a little it's a little tough to answer. So, so, that so good. Do you mind just closing those doors real quick? There's a guy here. He's painting here. You, you don't. Oh, okay. Joe's going to. Joe's going to paint. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You can just close the door. Um, but so you guys as Reebok employees, it's like pretty well known. Hey, listen, we're trying to make this the biggest fitness brand in the world. Okay, so that's that's, that's the headline. That's assumed. Yeah. Um, and then like f- as it trickles down, obviously like I fall under the marketing organization. So then our, our, you know, smaller subsection of the company, which is I think about 150 people who fall under marketing will have in, you know, s- smaller, but not small meetings with the entire marketing organization, the head of marketing and that in those meetings, we'll go over the strategy, the marketing strategy, and then how, and then our director of our team will take that down a level and kind of you know, yeah. lead us in the direction. A lot of meetings. Um, I mean, it's really not that many meetings, but um, it definitely like, you know, is the main source of communicating to the larger group and then having that like, you know, trickle down the ranks. So here's a question. We might cut this of his content because I think it's going to be good, but I could be wrong. So, mind you, I have thrown an eclectic mix of events. Some have been dope. Some, as I had noted, have been not. But to throw in a successful event, you do have to have a certain entrepreneurial sense because you got to go. You got to do everything on your own. You got to execute. Is it tough doing it within a, within a team and within a corporate environment? Or are you guys, do you have leverage to go and, like, go make a move happen? Well, for I mean, for Conventures, our founder, um, Dusty Rhodes, she started this company in 1977 and was a total doer. Just got up, got things done, and still to this day gets things done. Um, Her name is Dusty Rhodes? Yes. What yeah. a name. <laughs> what a name. And, and, and one of the, I mean, she founded this event planning company um, on hustle, on and grew it through hustle and um, attention to detail and professionalism and delivering results and like and probably many other characteristics that are terrific and those trickled down through I mean having her with us like every day leading certain meetings leading certain clients is such a such a benefit and I think that that permeates into the staff around. like we're all doers I mean you're you're, that's kind of the vibe of, of the place is like we're all executors and, and are going to get things done when we need to and pause when we need to but uh, and, and think 
strategically sometimes, but, but there's a time to move and get things done. And okay. we've got great efficiencies in place to, to do that. Um, but and you don't have to check in with anybody. No, 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 no. There's, there's plenty of, there's plenty of checks through, through the process. Is that there's, frustrating? Is it stifling in an event space? Um, it's actually reassuring because you, you're, you're empowered as a junior person to like, go ahead, you know, run. Like we do first night in Boston, which is the big New Year's Eve celebration. And the, the woman who's running it is probably in her mid twenties and she's empowered with really like leading the logistics for it, but is totally backed by many others in the group, but she's running all the, keeping the vendors in check and, um, and keeping lining up, keeping the meetings on pace, and the keeping the venue um, and all the appropriate permissions in place. So, um, but she's a doer, but she's empowered by those around her through regular checks, you know, like verifications on things, and that's helpful. And look, I think in in other organizations, there 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 can it can be frustrating to want to go and have all this energy and idea and build something and invent something. And, and, and the strategic focus of the company is might be a little different from that. And you feel that way too? Yeah, I mean, I feel like... Does, is what I'm saying make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. I feel like, I mean, I've been on the agency side. I've been in-house. And I think regardless of whether or not you're working with a client or you're working with internal stakeholders, there's an element of needing to check in and make sure that the ideas that you're running with are on track when you're talking about kind of the larger overall creative vision and logistical kind of plans, when we're executing, like when someone says, okay, we like the, the direction you're going in, then we don't really need to, we, we kind of run with that until we get to a point where it's then time to check in again. So it's not like every point you have to be checking in like on every little decision that you make. I feel like at Reebok, like our team is trusted as the experts in this event space. So, you know, we'll get a brief from a team saying like, this is the thing, this is what we're trying to do. Help us pull it off. And we'll come up with like a creative idea around it. We'll pitch it to them. We'll give them a few options. They'll decide what they like and they'll give us the feedback of things that they would change or whatever. And then from that point forward, we're kind of like, running with it. Maybe we have like weekly check-ins with them just to make sure that they're like cool with what we're doing, but it's not stifling. It's not stifling at all. And I think with the nature of events too, like we've, we get briefed in all the time, like three weeks out from an event that needs to take place. And it's like high level and we have to pull, you know, all these things off that normally you would need much more time to do. And in those instances, it's like, go and do whatever you need to do in order to pull it off. Just to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. <clears throat> I got two questions. One, and this might be what we cut up for content, but so are a lot of our contents tailored towards like young, I don't want to say hustlers cause it sounds like corny, but young grinders in the city, right? Very quick synopsis from both of you. What things and characteristics do you need to throw? Actually, I'm going to rephrase this. Let's say there's an artist in the city who he's a rapper who wants to throw his first concert or there's someone who has a startup brand who wants to throw his first launch party for his product. What are the characteristics that make a good event and how can people learn from your event? 
Oh, shit. <laughs> One more time, Connor. What? Okay, let's say someone wants to throw a launch party for their, their brand. They're, they have a, a side hustle in the city. They want to throw a launch party. What key characteristics lead to event success? And how can they apply it? One part of it is a great list. So, like, who are you, who are you inviting to this thing? Yeah. Where are you going to have it? So, so let's, like, you get a venue. You get a date that's going to work. Make sure it's not, like, on a three-day weekend. Or, or a Make holiday. sure it's not on a holiday. Or a, or a holiday you might not know about. Check that out, right? Make sure it's on a good date. And then, like, who's your list? Who are your peeps? What is your tribe of people? Like, who are the people who you know, A, you're going to come, but then who do you want to come? Like, think about those lists and how you want to invite them. Um, make sure that you've got all the permission to use whatever venue you're going to use. Like, don't, yeah. don't think you can just, like, go take over some the back room of a bar or some park somewhere. Like, make the calls. Be be a be a, a adult about it. Like, get the permission, get the permits, do the legwork, secure whatever you need to secure, and then, and sometimes that involves some cash up front. But then, then grind it out to like get your list and your theme and your programming, and that's how, what I would think. But Andrew is like, the pro, really. Question though: How important is having complete control over the scenario for event success? In terms of like. Like you're working with someone else or like you're the sole communicator with the venue, with the audience, with the performers, with the sponsors. How essential is that for one person to have an event success? I don't feel like it's, it's essential. I feel like it's essential for there's, for there to be one person who's the lead. So we always have like one person who is the main point of contact, but they might be working with three other people who you've divvied up the work so that it's not overwhelming for that one person to pull everything off. But those three people are in constant communication to make sure. And that person who's the main point of contact is takes responsibility also over the action items of their counterparts to make sure that those people are, are pulling off what they're supposed to be pulling off. But I don't, and so from that perspective, you have control, but I don't think it's important that you're physically doing all the work yourself as long as you're communicating with your team effectively. So communication is key. A thousand percent. I mean, you said that with conviction. Communication is so important from an events perspective because there's so many little details that go into events. And if you're not communicating, if you're not paying attention, that's when things fall through the cracks. And I mean, events, like I was talking to Dan earlier and like what makes a good events person is someone, and TK said this earlier, someone who has the skills to plan something, but also can operate knowing that there's going to be things that arise and how you handle the things that arise day of event, day before the event that you weren't anticipating. That is like how you handle that is super important yeah being able to adapt to like getting the that flow unknowns state. yeah like the things that you completely it slipped your mind and you didn't plan for it or it's torrentially raining and you never know like those unknown scenarios and that's what i think makes a good events person is someone who can like pivot and find creative solutions on the fly 
Because I don't think I've ever had an event that goes 100% smoothly. No, yeah. there's no such thing as a perfect event. There's, yeah. It's impossible. There's no like. There's no such thing as absolutely Literally, perfect there flawless isn't. event. There's, you get yeah, close and you can pursue it. You guys have any nightmares recently? Any of your events? Nightmares. I mean, not nightmares. I, Dusty, she did an event one time at Franklin Park Zoo. and Oh, um, gosh. And there happened to be a, someone who had murdered a police officer on the run and was hiding in the zoo. She was just telling the story the other day. And as the board members are coming in for this foundation that's having this event, there's helicopters flying. <laughs> there's SWAT teams out. The woman from the board is like, Dusty, don't you think this is a little overkill for security? And she convinced the state police to allow the event to happen because they put all of the event guests in one of the animal enclosures Jeez. without oh the God. animal but Way, like they moved adapt, the event yeah. into like one of the enclosures where all the people were like inside and couldn't i mean wild and really uh, when she's been doing this for 43 years but so she's got a lot of stories yeah. like this and i think as we Everyone all has stories. as we develop our careers yeah, like for sure. these stories are going to pile up i mean yeah. We, there's yeah rain's going to happen snow's going to yeah. happen a performer is going to show up late or not show or up. not show up or show up drunk mm-hmm. yeah or show up drunk and this this stuff yeah yeah i mean there's definitely things with every event that kind of keeps me up at night like for sure every event there's like one thing that i'm like if this happens then i'm going to like <laughs> lose it you know but i'm going to demand a raise <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> um but like i think it just has to do with how you how you adopt to the scenario. Um, and also how you respond. Yeah. Like meaning respond in the near term, but in some cases you have to respond, I think like in the longer term, like, mm-hmm. Hey, listen, guests, this is what happened. Thanks for bearing with us. We we're going to get to the bottom of it and like, we're not going to let it happen again. Right. And I think that that voice sometimes like, I mean, listen, when I was at the marathon one, like we got bombed, like we didn't plan on that. But I think that the way we handled it in the immediate moment was fine. But then I thought the way that we handled it in the weeks after Mm -hmm. was very good. I thought that we we did a good job with that as best as we could. And these things. What a tough situation, man. Yeah. 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 It's tough. I, I, the guy who wrote, uh, who wrote Boston Strong up on the show, he was like, oh my God, it's just like, who the fuck is going to expect something like that? But that's a great example of responding. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's some events where things like that happen and it's, it's a matter of, you know, it's a crisis scenario and then it's how you react after the fact. But there's plenty of times, I mean, there's been plenty of events that I've done where something happens that you have the control to fix unbeknownst to the attendees or the guests. They may, it may not have been your ideal way for it to have gone off but no one notices because you were able to fix it and find an alternative solution so like in that sense like there's sometimes ways that you can find solutions on the fly that like no one would ever know because they didn't know what it was supposed to be you know what i feel like every wedding i've ever been to has had a situation like that for sure only the bride knows they make a last minute adjustment yeah and like they get stressed but it all goes off great. Right. I feel like every single wedding I've ever gone to has had that narrative. Yeah. Play out. Permeability. Connor, w- wait till your friends start getting married, Connor. You'll start seeing all these things. Dude, I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> talk about all this adult stuff. I know, boo. Our friends are gonna be getting married pretty soon. You might be getting married pretty soon. <laughs> Boo's got a new shorty. Whoa. <laughs> um, okay. Last question for me. 
So the Boston sneaker market, this is mostly for Andrea. The Boston sneaker market is actually wildly competitive. A lot of people don't really know that. It's like you have all the major sneaker brands oh, yeah. here. You got New Balance. You got Puma. You got Reebok. You got Converse. You, there's Nike. Saucony. Saucony. Asics. York. Asics. York. Yeah. Hey, York came up on the show. TK, don't be disrespectful. Okay, okay. I'm, they're, I'm they're learning. like a small startup yeah. brand. Mm-hmm. I'm learning. And hey, I know you guys are Reebok. The sneakers are really nice. Listen. But the Boston sneaker market, totally competitive. Mm-hmm. What is Reebok doing on a local level to differentiate itself and position itself in the competitive Boston sneaker market? So, I mean, I think I think it goes back to like what we were talking about before. I mean, all from all of those brands that you list off, right? Like, I feel like we're doing a really good job of showing up in the community. And I feel like that's like number one. It's making sure that like people know that we're here and know that we care about, you know, our community and that we're involved in the events that are taking place. Um, I feel like not a ton of the brands that are in Boston do that necessarily. Um, So I think having like a physical presence at events is I think our main priority in terms of being competitive in, in Boston specifically, because, you know, our sales goals are more, more like market specific. So we're talking about like the U S as a whole, we're not just talking about Boston. So it's less about that and more about making sure that people know that we're here and know what we stand for and like know why, what makes us cool and what makes us different. And that's like, that's mostly put out through how we show up at events. Well, so for instance, Reebok, you guys, there's been this cool trend now where sneaker brands will do deals with artists and rappers. Mm-hmm. What would it take for Reebok to consider sponsoring like a Boston artist? Because you guys have a deal with Lil Yachty and Cardi B. Yeah. We have an entire um, like team that handles like our asset strategy. Um, I am like, I do not, I'm not involved in how those are selected. Um, I think there's a lot of thought that goes into like why someone would be signed to the brand and like how they align with usually it, they're being signed to align with some sort of aspect of the brand, like whether it's a specific product that we're aligning them with, um, or like a, whether it's on the classic side or on the performance side of the business. So, um, is it possible though? It, I mean, never say never. I, I, I know that we're doing like small, like there's, you know, the Cardi B's and the larger big name artists that we sign, obviously. But then there are some like, you know, second tier level people that we have on our roster who are like really cool and kind of in that like sub sneaker culture. If there was someone in the Boston scene that, you know, lined up with what we were looking for, I I don't see why it wouldn't be something that the brand would consider. How was that for a question, Abu? Abu's a DJ in the city, too. So he's oh. He's well-connected with Boston Do you have a musicians. DJ name? Oh, uh, yeah. I go by Abu617. Okay, yep. cool. I mean, it should be Big Fresh now. It should be Big <laughs> Fresh. Could be. Um, hey, you guys killed it. You guys did a great Thanks. job. Thanks. Did you guys have fun?
hundred percent. I know you guys got a crazy day going on. Abu, any last questions? Uh, no, I'm all set. Oh, okay, cool. Really good. Thank you guys cool. for being here. Um, mm-hmm. Real quick, can you just give the, the event plug, what's going on, how people can get involved, where to find you, and then social media handles? Sure. It is the Boston, It is the Reebok Boston 10K for Women. Uh, it's on Monday, October 14th at Boston Common. It starts at noontime. It is uh, the largest all-women's sporting event in New England. Um, men are invited to come participate or volunteer or just cheer on or whatever. And you can follow the race. You can just, it's like, it's like RB10K for women on Instagram and Twitter. And then on Facebook, it's Reebok Boston 10K. What is your Instagram, For TK? women. Uh, it's TK Skindarian. Let's go. Pretty <laughs> original. <laughs> I mean, what's your, what, you, what's your instant messenger screen name? Big Bochy. I'm just kidding. You don't have instant messenger, do you? Oh, instant messenger? Yeah, man. Oh, oh I am. Yeah. Why, no. you still an I am? No, man. That's what we had. That's what we had. <laughs> I had it a too. A while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but re- then, enter. what is, t- give us the Reebok. Uh, is there re- there's a Reebok Boston social? No. Um, we we got to get that started, man. I know, right? So we primarily lean on our like larger brand handle. So at Reebok, Reebok, and then we have at Reebok Classics. Do we have a handle for the performance side? It's I don't. Just the, Reebok. just the Reebok one. So the we have the Reebok handle, the Reebok Classics handle, which is more specific to that side of the business. And then um, we're gonna have a tent at the 10K. Come visit our store, 25 Dry Dock. Uh, pick up some gear. Great, great, great discounts at the Dry Dock store you mentioned like assembly but the the dry i mean that's the hub that's the reebok dry like, central that w- nervous system okay that's where you go yeah and they got discounts there from time to time does conventures have gear only no usually it's reebok, reebok stuff. sponsored but stuff. um no we've got some stuff that we wear but it's it's low-key i mean we're not in the apparel space <laughs> we're in the event space <laughs> well hey the good news is I got some apparel to give you guys after this. Nice. Are you gonna, awesome. are you gonna come volunteer at the ten K? I don't think I'm gonna volunteer, but I'm gonna go. All right, it's fine. Wait, Good. so what is the route real quick? Boston Common to Out to Mass Ave Bridge, then on to Memorial Drive in Cambridge with like a loop going east and then a big loop going west. And then you come back over the Mass Ave Bridge into Boston, take a left on Com Ave and go all the way down to the public garden. You do a loop around that. And you finish on Charles Street in between Beak, in between the Common and the Public Garden, and uh, and then you have an asthma attack. No, then <laughs> you go in, you get your finisher medal, you get your everybody water, you hit the Reebok tent, and get hooked up with some gear and have like a good. And then we got like some music and and great snacks and awesome award ceremony. So what is the what is the two weeks after the event? Real quick, look for you look like for you guys. You guys just gonna like relax. <laughs> Um, well, I, I would definitely say that I think everyone at conventures and, and everyone on my team is, is working on multiple events at a time. So for us, you're going to party though after the event, uh, right? Yeah. Maybe we'll, t- we'll like chill for like a day and then we'll get back into it. Cause, uh, we have some other stuff coming up Nice. that's coming down the pike real fast. So no rest for the wicked. Yeah. It's event season. So yeah. September, October, like we got a real busy stretch. So it's like, we'll, we'll have our feet up, but it won't be for another couple of weeks or months. Yeah. Like it's going to, like, I'd say really November, we, November, December, it quiets a bit, but yeah, December is when all event planners catch up on sleep. 
Yeah. No one plans events in December. Uh, except for us. New Year's Eve. First okay. night. All right. And Golden Deer, baby. Golden Deer. We got one here. Hey. I'm inviting all you guys. Awesome. I actually do plan on hosting a uh, like a, a networking-esque event for people with startups in the city. So I'd love for you guys to come. Cool. We'll get Dan right. a couple drinks. <laughs> you bring the Reeboks. Bring me some sneaks, man. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is how we start and end the show. You got to say hi, your name. And this is my golden hour. Directly after, no break. Hi, your name. And that was my golden hour. Because post-production-wise, we have the start of the episode and okay. the finish. And I put your sauce on it. You know what I'm saying? This is yeah. how everyone's going to remember you. <laughs> and this is today, actually today marks one full year of the podcast. Nice. This is special. Congratulations. Wow. Thank you. I feel like it's Wait, been 30. So All right, let me, let me try it. Let me try it. No, we don't. We do not do practice. And do we look? One take. We're going to slate. Okay. Abu, you want us on this one? Yeah. Hey, thank you for your help. This one? This one. Oh, it's All a video right. thing. Okay. Do we say it together or individually? I mean, I already no. gave you the guideline. I cannot oh, help you anymore. Crowd. You go and then I'll go. All right. Hi, this is TK Skandarian, and that was my golden hour. Blew it already, TK. Why? TK, it's a this is. Oh, this is. And I would and say, then... hi, I'm TK. Then pass it off to Andrea. Andrea would say, hi, I'm Andrea. Oh, perfect. We're okay. from the Reebok 10K, and this is our golden hour. Directly after No Break, same thing, but not this is, it's that was. <laughs> okay. Hi, this is TK. Hi, I'm Andrea. And this <laughs> is our golden hour. Better? No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Redo, no, redo. No. Okay, we can do okay. redo. We have to say. The event. The event. Yeah, yeah. So you say the event, and I'll say this is our golden hour. We are we are in marketing here. Yeah. Okay. Hi, this is TK. And I'm Andrea. And we're with the Bo Reebok Boston 10K for Women. And this is our golden hour. One more time. Hi, this is TK. I'm Andrea. And we're with the Reebok Boston 10K for Women. And this was our golden hour. No, blew it, Andrea. It's that was. That, that was. was. Okay, okay. Don't Last do part time. one. Just do part okay. two. Just do part two. Hey, this is TK. Hi, I'm Andrea. And we're with the Reebok Boston 10K for Women. And that was our golden hour. And that was well executed. Abu, tell me when. Three, two, one.